honestly for me like it doesn't it doesn't really matter that much in terms of my social media strategy and what I'm putting out there. Um, I think one of the reasons why they did is because people are always measuring their self-worth and their success based on how many likes a photo gets, right? Just because you have a thousand likes on a photo doesn't mean you have a thousand dollars in the bank. Hey everyone, you're listening to the 2M Creative Labs podcast. This podcast is about improvement in three parts. Learn, share, do. We learn from some talented creatives as they share their process and story on the pursuit of their passions. On this episode, we talk to Charmaine Jennings and Rihanna Cam. Charmaine owns Strategic Charm Boutique and runs Hustle and Charm, a community of women across Canada, and Rihanna is a travel blogger who runs NeverSeeComeSee.com. We talk about influencing and influencers, social media strategies and marketing, and authenticity in your brand and how you use content. Lots of incredible stories and advice from them, so we hope you enjoy the episode. All right, I guess just to uh, get us started, hey everybody, thanks for listening to the podcast, and I guess we'll just kind of go around the table, starting with me, and introduce ourselves. Uh, My name is Juan, and I'm host of the podcast. (laughs) I'm Serena, and these are... I'm Rihanna, and I'm Charmaine. Awesome. Well, thanks for coming in, guys. This is really awesome. Um, Maybe just to kind of get started, um, maybe Rihanna first, and then Charmaine next, like who are you, and what do you do? Um, so my name is Rihanna Can. I have a travel blog called NeverSeeComeSee.com, and I am a travel writer and photographer. Uh, and I do many things on the side, but we'll stick with that for now. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm Charmaine Jennings. I own Strategic Charm Boutique, where I do social media marketing, primarily Instagram for women in business and small organizations. And then I also have a community of women that I coordinate across Canada called Hustle and Charm. Also, a lot of other side things, but again, we might get into that later. <laughs> totally. Um, so we're gonna change it up a bit and have Serena kind of run the questionnaire this time, and because yeah. <laughs> you know, like, you have some really good questions, in my opinion. Well, actually, yeah, just to kind of lead into it, with the reason why we asked both of you here, and as our first four-person podcast, Ooh, is nice. is that yeah. you two are working together on something? Yeah. As a, so as a team. Yeah. Charmaine and I came together and joined forces this year because uh, we seem to have a lot in common that we've figured out. <laughs> and we are doing a branding conference in the Caribbean, a branding and social media conference coming up in February. Yeah, coming up quick. Very quick. <laughs> We're very excited. Nice. Yeah. How did that come to be between the both, both of you? Um, what was your, you started it, so you can kind of explain the beginning part of it. <laughs> so, um, I, my family and my husband is from Trinidad and Tobago, which is like a, the most Southern Island in the Caribbean. And Trinidad and Tobago is not a tourist company. It's an entrepreneurial oil and gas country. So when you go there, you're not going to see a lot of beach boys. You're going to go there and you're going to see people in the entrepreneurial spirit, very much like in North America. Um, and one of the things that I noticed was a lot of companies were trying to do, uh, they were doing international marketing and trying to get um, counterparts from around the world to invest in the Caribbean. And, you know, they, um, not that they didn't have the expertise, but that they didn't connect the dots when it came to branding. So everything was available, but people weren't working together. Um, so knowing Charmaine for a few near, years now, I approached her and I said, you know, I was just in Trinidad. I met with so many entrepreneurs and their their stuff is amazing, but I want to help them. And I think the way I can help them is helping them to show them how to use social media to really broadcast their business. Um, so I proposed to me to come and do five mini workshops over a week and it flourished because she had these massive ideas of a conference. So, 
yeah, so <laughs> I like to think really big. Um, and yeah, when you approached me, I was very excited. And for me, like I also have the same passion of trying to help people grow in business, whether that's with branding, social media, things like that. And when she proposed the idea, I was very excited about it. I was definitely on board, especially if I can combine what I love with travel. And I've never been to that to Tobago before, so like I'm all over that. Yeah. Um, and I think initially it sounded like it was gonna be like a one like a one time workshop. Yeah. Um, and then I was thinking, well, I would do that absolutely. But at the same time, if we're gonna go all the way to Tobago, we might as well like make the most of it, right? So I thought, what about doing um, like a two-day workshop and then we started talking about the content we would share and it sounded more like a conference so we figured we would make it like a two and a half-ish day conference instead so and then it turned into a whole one-week retreat yes oh that's true <laughs> yeah, so it did so then it also um we also added on another layer so like a branding and paradise mastermind and retreat and that's like a week-long experience that includes the two-day conference but with mm -hmm. the retreat um you get your room and board is included, so like your, your the villa is included. We all stay there together. Um, some more of your meals are included, and then you get more one on one access with some of our speakers. And we figured that came about because with the way flights work to the area, like if you're coming internationally from to this conference, mm -hmm. um, flights aren't every day, right? So if you're going to come for a two day conference, you're like, okay, what am I going to do for the rest of the week? So we might as well provide you with an experience that allows you to learn more in business, but also give you a chance to explore the island and see what the Caribbean has to offer. That's awesome. Yeah. <laughs> That's very cool. Yeah. Also sounds so warm for February. I know. After yesterday, I'm like, let's just go there now right? and just get everything set up. Oh, I wish. Okay, so I have put together questions. Okay. Okay. Um, so because you are branding by the beach, charm and hustle, and I've noticed that there's a very strong emphasis. Sorry, I'm really far from the mic one. There's a very strong emphasis on growth. Yes. So what are the most common missed opportunities for businesses? In terms of growth? Yeah. Oh, man, so many. So many. <laughs> I think, like, where social media is concerned, I think it's just people not fully understanding the platforms that they're using to grow their business. And even further than that is not understanding which platforms are right for them. We right. think we need to be on everything. We have to be on Instagram and Facebook and LinkedIn and Pinterest. And that's not, <laughs> it's not true, right? You need to, you really need to know where your target audience is and where they get information and how they get information right. to finalize what social media platforms you're going to use because you're going to spread yourself too thin for no reason, right? Yeah, so I true. think initially knowing where their audience hangs out is their first hang up in terms of trying to grow their business and right. um, monetize things and then not knowing how to use the platforms that you've chosen strategically. And another right. thing about social media is people forget that it's a marketing tool. It's not your marketing strategy. So, and a lot yes. of people are like, I'm on Instagram and I've got 10,000 followers, but I can't sell my soap. And I'm like, well, yes. <laughs> you have no strategy. <laughs> you have no strategy. Even though you're posting every day and you're doing all the right things, it's not... It's not your be-all, end-all. So when in terms of growth, you really have to bring people back to you, right? To your website where you live, where they can shop and they can find your products. Because if one of the things that we've talked about several times is there are so many people out there that have this story, you know, my Instagram got shut down. So there goes your entire marketing strategy and now nobody knows how to find you. So it's, it's kind of changing how we use social media and using it to right. as an advantage, but not... As where we live all together right right okay 
So there's this whole idea behind, since you brought up this yeah. whole thing about social media strategy, <laughs> yeah. this, this word influencing. Yes. You rolled your eyes and I'm curious now. <laughs> so um, as you know, I have a travel blog. Um, so I get to hear the word influence all the time. Yes. And I hate it so much. Um, yes. Because people believe influence lives with this auspicious amount of people who follow you. Right. And it, it doesn't. Like, it honestly, it doesn't. Like, I always say that um, the most abundant business that I've ever received for my travel blog is when I had 1,500 followers. The more numbers you get, it gets harder for you to book business as a quote-unquote influencer. Um, and it doesn't necessarily mean more people are listening to you because right. you may have 6,000 followers, but maybe 1,500 people are the only seeing your stuff. Right. So I think the word influence is overused. <laughs> <laughs> and I think too, people forget that like just because you don't fit the traditional term of influence, it doesn't mean you don't have influence, mm-hmm. right? So I think for me, um, I get put in the influencer category. I get invited to blogger events, even though I'm not a blogger. <laughs> but it's because I share my story and I share myself a lot on social mm-hmm. media. And I recognize that I do have influence in terms of like things people go to or things they buy or things they invest in um, for business. So you don't have to be a blogger or YouTuber or anything like that to be an influencer. You just have to have a voice and an audience, right? So whether or not you have an audience of 50 followers on Instagram, if even two of them listen to you regularly and like buy a product because you talked about it or go to an event because they know you're going to be there, that means you have influence. And I think what we're kind of saying is that, yeah, sometimes the, the higher amount of followers you have, the harder it is to kind of prove because businesses, they want to see the proof that's in the in the pudding, right? So um, it's sometimes hard to prove that, okay, I've talked about this topic or this product and that led to X amount of people mm-hmm. buying and purchasing, but sometimes those metrics are hard to actually measure and prove, right? So there's a lot of contingencies around it. Right, right. Actually, since you talk about metrics, yeah. so Instagram removed all their likes yes. and people got mad and I wasn't <laughs> sure why they were mad. What is your thought? <laughs> Honestly, for me, like it doesn't, it doesn't really matter that much in terms of my social media strategy and what I'm putting out there. Um, I think one of the reasons why they did is because people are always measuring their self-worth and their success mm. based on yes. how many likes a photo gets, right? Just because you have a thousand likes on a photo doesn't mean you have a thousand dollars in the bank. Like, you know what I mean? It doesn't yeah. mean that you yeah. have, that you're successful, <laughs> yeah. that you're making money. It's yeah. just like, it's just a vanity number. Um, right, right? Exactly, right? <laughs> right? It's true though. Um, so I think that's one of the reasons why they were, or have been experimenting with removing that. It does make it harder for, again, quote unquote, influencers to kind of prove um, the value and the content they're sharing right because a lot of people are like okay well if i'm looking at your account and i see one of your posts only had only again i'm using air quotes has 20 likes i'm going to assume that you're not um an influencer and that you're not reaching out to your audience which isn't always the case right. um, so i do think it's harder for brands to figure out who they want to work with because th- those are the only numbers they can see aside from your following if they can't see it for them they feel like they don't know how to gauge if they're right fit but all they have to do is ask and get like references and if you have a portfolio that's something you can use to mm-hmm. your advantage so it all kind of it all kind of depends and right. i love that they removed the likes um for me yes. it actually so as a blogger uh a big part of the metrics that people ask you when they approach you as a travel blogger, when tourist destinations approach you, is they want to see your metrics. And when they removed likes, my engagement as of comment and likes grew exponentially. My followers didn't grow, but my engagement did. And I think it's because there was now less pressure um, for people to like a picture or for me to put something out somebody would like. And so many people um, in the blogger world that I know 
were like, oh, if this picture doesn't get 100 likes, I'm taking it down. And I was like, hi, like, it's a pretty picture, yeah. like, you know? But it was a very common thing that they would take pictures down because of the amount of likes or comments if it didn't meet their standard because it would change their metrics. So right. I think it was uh, a good thing on my end when they removed it because there was less pressure um, when someone's looking at your portfolio on Instagram. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think it gave more room for people to actually start interacting again and commenting and talking to each other. It's kind of funny because I, I noticed initially, I noticed the opposite effect. So I noticed that because it removed the number of likes people were getting, people weren't as inclined to like things because it's nice to see the number go up, right? You see, oh, it has 59 likes. Oh, I'm going to be that 60th like, right? So Mm. because you don't get that satisfaction of it, you don't feel as inclined to do it. For some people, it kind of depends. And I think now that has gone away and is more just about, again, engaging and um, genuine comments. But I think initially for some people, that's what they're seeing is like, well, I don't get the satisfaction of seeing that number change. So Mm -hmm. I'm not going to take any action at all. Interesting. Yeah. <laughs> I found that it wasn't a very helpful metric to begin with. No, it's definitely true. Like it's really hard to use that as a gauge for how good you are as a photographer if you're on Instagram yeah. because photography or like filmmaking or an artist, right, who posts their art up there. Like it never really made sense to match that up. Yeah. But it definitely seemed like that was a common thing not just for like a business like hey how much influence do you have on the world it's how good are you as a creator yeah Yeah. exactly and the thing is too just remembering that people like there are lots of times i see things on instagram that i like and i don't like the photo itself or the the post not because i don't like it but because i'm just scrolling right i'm not taking the time to actually stop and engage so just because you again air quotes only have 20 likes doesn't mean only 20 people in the world like what you're putting out there Mm -hmm. and it could be because there's so many changes within the quote unquote algorithm so many quotes with all these changes is you know you're not getting in front of all of the people who are following you anymore so like you know i i could be following to i'm creative but i may not see, ever see your post i may have to actively go out and search your post to see them and and that's a difficult thing too so yeah you may have 10,000 followers but again maybe only 1,000 people are seeing it so you can't use those likes and those comments as a metric because not everyone's getting the opportunity to see it, right? Absolutely. So, especially too, keeping in mind that people are still out there like buying likes and buying yes. followers and yeah. having having Why? bot comments because again, it's just the vanity numbers. They feel that okay, if it looks like a thousand people like this post, that it looks like I have influence, it looks like I have a large following and engaged following, right. it looks like I'm just better or I'm more successful than. I feel I appear to be right. So even if you do see someone, you know, killing it on Instagram, air oh, quotes again, it's, it's not always it's, it's not the case. And again, even if they were, even if it was a thousand genuine likes, it doesn't translate to success. And it's a vicious circle because um, you've got the influencer, you've got the brand, you've got the different the creative side of it, and then the brand depends on the metrics of the influencer that creates the creative. So if the brand's not seeing the the, the likes or the comments, the, cre- the influencer then starts to buy the likes and the comments to make the creative side of it even better and look better. And then the brand's like, okay, I'll work with you again. Hmm. So it's like, it's literally like this, it's this insane circle that everybody knows is, is a facade because if I wanted 10,000 followers, I could literally go buy them right now. But the brands don't care because how else do they measure your work if they don't have these f- fake methods, right? So how do you explain that then? If you were to pitch to brands uh, to quote-unquote influence them, <laughs> <laughs> how, 
how would you explain then the the value that it has? <laughs> I would say how, like create like a media kit. Mm-hmm. Um, so for me, again, I've been put in the influencer realm. I think we both feel that way, where it's not something we like aspired to be or we actively try and do every day, but it just kind of happened. Um, so what I do is if I want to be more in the influencer realm, I just kind of keep track of um, different things that I notice in terms of people taking action based on what I've said. So one example is um, Natalie Bell, Pig City Lovely, who's a, um, a huge influencer in the city. She was talking a couple of months ago even, she was talking about like this hair treatment oil that she was using. And because I watch her and I trust her opinion, I went out and I bought one, it's from Lush. And I talked about it on Instagram and people are DMing me, asking me about this product. And my friend was like, oh, I never knew they had that there. Like, how much is it? asked me about the product she bought it as well even at the Pachachka event that uh, Juan and I spoke at um, a couple of weeks ago one of the girls in the audience like oh yeah I'm going it's Black Friday this week I'm going to to Lush to get that that hair oil that you're talking about and that was months ago that Natalie officially talked about it so what I do every time someone like would say hey I'm buying this because you talked about it or asked me my opinion on things I just kind of like take a screenshot of it and then I can use that in my um, media kit or portfolio so I can prove to someone else here's the influence I had on these people about this topic or this event or this product yeah. that's brilliant <laughs> so for me I approach it a little differently so for me when I'm work- wanting to work with um, tourism boards or travel brands I approach them about what I can offer them so this is my media kit these are all the people that I work with here are the outcomes of what happened within the campaign and this is what I can bring to your table so I try to research the brand to see what they're looking for and how I can fit that. So, you know, I'm, I got a little bit of an edge because I'm a woman of color. So I could be like, <laughs> hey, I'm a woman of color. Like, I, you know, think that you guys need a little bit of help in that seat because I see the, the people that you've worked with before, there's no women of color. Like, we travel too, <laughs> you know? And this is what I can offer you. This is how I've done campaigns similarly in the past. You kind of match what they're looking for and what you can bring to the table. Right. Um, rather than just being like, hey, I have 100,000 followers and that's all I can give you is potentially one of them might buy a flight. So and I find leveraging your previous relationships, so like I've written for CBC, that's huge. So mm-hmm. leveraging those relationships that I have in the past and saying you can potentially get coverage for me writing for other people or getting a picture in Kanji or whatever, that is how I choose to put myself out there to brands looking for somebody in that space. So... There's so many different angles that you could use, but no, nothing is wrong. Yeah. Right? <laughs> you got to find what works for you. And, yeah. Um, different brands will have different like prerequisites or different expectations or mm-hmm. ask different questions. It's kind of, you know, gauging the patterns that you come across mm-hmm. and finding out your what your groove is. And understanding who you're trying to work with. Like if you, you can't just want to work with shoppers drug mart and have never shopped there right like you have to have some kind of relationship to the brand and understanding of them too uh and i find like a lot of people tend to do that they're like i want to work with sephora but i don't buy anything from there because it's so expensive (laughs) so it's like it's never gonna work for you right like so you have to have realistic expectations of what you want going in and out of that Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. okay i like that (laughs) okay so have you guys ever read the book the brand gap no. Never heard of it. Okay. I'm excited. Highly though. recommend. <laughs> I pulled quotes from it just because, yeah. like, branding. You yeah. Know? yeah. So I want to hear your thoughts on some of them, if that's okay. 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 
A brand is a person's gut feeling about a product, service, or company. It's a gut feeling because we're all intuitive be- beings, despite our best efforts to be rational. Ooh. Thoughts. I like it. Yeah. Right? Yeah. So I think, I think I saw this on an Instagram post somewhere, where it's like, marketing is... Marketing is why people come to you. Branding is why people stay. Yeah, mm-hmm. I would yeah. agree. Yeah, I like that. And I think too, like in terms of like branding, it's like I like the description of it's what people say about your business or you when you're not in the room. Yeah, right. Because mm-hmm. we always think we know what we want a brand to be, but it doesn't always translate, right? So right. we might think we're one way, but people are describing it or having different feelings about it than we're actually intending, right? So just because I want my brand to be this doesn't mean that it actually is. Yeah, for sure. And I think everybody forgets to tell people what their brand is. And it's something that Charmaine has been like instilling in my brain (laughs) for the last 12 months. But it's like, people are like, I have a soap company, but all we do is talk about tropical beaches and coconuts because that's what it smells like. But nobody talks about the soap and that you sell the soap and this is how it's made. So I think like we forget in branding sometimes it's like it's actually about the project, which is like the end market game, right? So it's not forgetting forgetting what your brand is actually about and talking about itself instead of talking about all the things around it. Right. Okay, next one. Living brands are not stylistic veneer but a pattern of behavior that grows out of character. Oh, yeah. Okay. Right? It's so interesting. So I've noticed this, actually, very similar to what you just said about soaps being marketed as, like, fruity, tropical things. Yeah. Instead of talking about the actual soaps, there's a pattern of what people tend to talk about that doesn't necessarily follow what they're trying to, like, what their brand is. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Like, I remember um, I took a psychology course, among many other psychology <laughs> courses, but uh, one thing that stuck out was like the idea of cognitive dissonance. So it's yeah. when your expectations of someone is different than how they actually behave, right? Yeah. And I think a lot of brands do that where, again, we think we want our brand to be one thing, but we're not projecting that, right? So with Hustle and Charm, I want our brand to be inclusive and diverse and all these things. But if I go out and I'm being cold to people or I'm trying to exclude people, then there's that dissonance where it doesn't really make sense. So what I say my brand is and what my values are aren't lining up with how I'm actually behaving or how I'm treating people, right? So it's trying to make sure everything is in line and on brand. Yeah. Yes. So like, I guess this is a little off topic, but kind of like when, when you it. said that, what I heard was like, I saw people who use stock photos all the time. Yes. And like, I, I mean, I use stock, I have a solar company, so Obviously, we have to use stock photos sometimes. But it's like when you search solar companies in the world, you'll see the same five images on every single website. And it's like when I I did it because I put them on my website too. (laughs) And then when I saw them on all the websites, I'm like, oh, my God, like I'm creating this like disconnect, right? Because we all want to look like these five stock photos, but none of us look that way. Like none of us. And I'm just like, okay, this is exactly the problem is that we're creating this facade of who we are, but we're not actually, like you said, meeting the expectations of what we want to be. So it's like, instead of using stock photos, if we start using real photos of what we're actually doing, maybe they're not as pretty, but it's creating a realistic expectation of what you can expect by working with us. Right. And I feel like a lot of people forget that that connection right it's like we use all these pretty photos and then i come to work with you and it's nothing like (laughs) what your instagram looks like or like what your website looks like and it's just like then the whole experience falls apart and then your brand falls apart right so i don't know 
there's a market out there for stock photos. Oh, for I'm t- <laughs> <laughs> there is. <laughs> well, even like, because like I, like again, my target audience essentially is like women in business and there are a lot of stock photos I come across that like I see them multiple times a day on my feed on people's websites like you said and i think part of it too is like we we just assume what people want to see from us and we see other people posting stuff so like oh we have to follow suit and post that same thing because if people like that on theirs they're gonna like it on ours but then now you're not being authentic right it's not your own you also lose some differentiation yeah so then you just look if you look like everyone else then how do you exactly how do you sell your unique point yeah exactly (laughs) and then if someone's seeing that on 10 different websites they're not going to remember you right they're not going to be like whose vibes energy right yeah (laughs) yeah Yeah. well if you look the same and you sound the same then wouldn't it just end up being about price points yeah true yeah yeah Yeah. it's no longer about the work anymore exactly and that's that's sad yeah (laughs) (laughs) okay i had a thought so if we're talking about the authenticity of using like content that is real to whatever your brand is, what is the different application between marketing and like the graphic design visual side? Or is there a difference? Um, Since I think you're a marketer and you're a... Can <laughs> <laughs> you do more graphic stuff? What's the difference between the, t- like, between the two, like between marketing and... Yeah. Is there, is there a different way that we use them so that we achieve authenticity in a brand? I think for me, visually, like, I feel like when I think of, like, a graphic designer, like, a good graphic designer, Mm -hmm. if I'm going to use one, I want them to understand my vision of what I need. And I feel like a lot of people trust the graphic designer's gut instead of being like, no, I don't like that color or I don't like this. So it's like, I feel like in marketing, sometimes you lose communication between the two Mm -hmm. because both are great at their jobs, but then that doesn't necessarily mean that they're great together. Right. Does that make sense? It does make sense. Right? Yeah. And I think, like, like graphics, whether it's design or photos or any type of imagery, I think it, it's a part of your marketing strategy, yeah. right? So I don't think they're, they're separate things that definitely go hand in hand. So, like, even though I'm not a graphic designer and that's just not my field, even if I'm creating, like, a marketing campaign and I'm creating visuals around it, like using Canva, like we talked about earlier, um, I want to make sure everything is consistent and cohesive within my brand and with the thing I'm trying to launch so they I think they have to be together for sure absolutely I would view it as like problem solving is marketing yeah right yeah design is the application of problem solving yeah yeah Yeah, and you want to make sure they're speaking to each other right like Mm -hmm. they have to like a consumer ideally wants to be able to see something and be like I know that that is this brand like I know it off the bat like a coke if you see a polar bear commercial you know it's a coke commercial <laughs> yeah. right like that's yeah. the first thing you think of like when you see baby animals you know it's telus like yeah. yes <laughs> so it's like being able to use all these tools and like still cohesively talk across different channels which is the right. same thing as social media yeah. right like they all have different applications and different uses but you want to make sure that they're all speaking to each other right that makes sense. Can Absolutely. We, I love that. <laughs> yes, I'm learning so much. I just get my mouth shut. I'm like, I'm like yes. I just write all my notes there. <laughs> okay. Actually, this is perfect. When the external actions of a company align with its internal culture, mm-hmm. the brand resonates with authenticity. Yes. Mm-hmm. That's yes. a good one. Yeah, absolutely. Really good. Ooh, I had another thought since you were talking about uh, visuals. Yeah. So, since I've noticed that a lot of brands tend to aim for this like airy, white, beautiful, mm-hmm. glowy photography style, yeah. 
Do you find that that sometimes takes away from the brand that they have? I guess what I'm asking yeah. is, do trends affect what authenticity actually means? I think it absolutely does. Mm-hmm. And it's kind of funny because, like, for me, I have the opposite um, kind of experience, right? So for me, my feed, it looks different depending on when when in the year you're looking <laughs> at it. Uh, sometimes it's nice, sometimes not. But I think for me, Same. too, like, right? <laughs> right? Sometimes they have a good pattern going, and after a while, it's just like, it looks like a mess, and then you get back to it being pretty again, and it's fine, no big deal. Um, but for me, I work with a lot of different photographers in the city just because I like working with different people. I get different styles of photos back. Um, But for me, like, I am one of those people who, like, I try and keep things a bit on the lighter side, not too much, um, but a bit on the lighter side. So when I'm working with a photographer and they have a very specific editing style, it's like, it's so off-brand for me, right? I feel like if you have, like, the light, white, and airy, even if you do have a moodier brand, it's still probably going to fit somehow. Whereas for me, um, this photographer, I love working with her, um, and her style is more of, like, it's kind of like a bluey, purpley kind of hue to her photos. Oh, cool. And I still, I love it and I still use them. And that's why I still work with her from time to time. But that can't be the most prominent thing on my feet because it's just not my my brand, right? right so right. I guess it really depends. I think, like you said, trends do affect mm-hmm. um, that piece. It's just knowing what, what's working for you throughout. So not always just saying, oh, people like the light, white, and airy. So I have to do that as well. You don't have to. You can be totally different, right? Right. So. Do you find that's usually an advantage or disadvantage? Um, I don't know. I think both. I think when it comes to like Instagram or anything online, there are just things that people people's eyes are drawn to, right? right. No matter what your brand is, or what your favorite colors are, or what your vibe is, red is one of those colors online that is often associated with anger or it gives you like a harsh kind of like feeling or a harsh look i know for me i don't like having red on my feet at all because i don't like looking at it i don't like looking at other people's feet sometimes (laughs) when there's too much red it it bothers my eyes and i like red i wear red but it's just not a color that resonates with a lot of people blue is a calming color so no matter what colors you like blue is always gonna be something you feel kind of relaxed and more calm and more peaceful with so um i think that definitely plays a huge role because i think there's actually um there's lots of science based around different colors and what they mean Mm -hmm. and the feelings they evoke so i think it's important to pay attention to that yeah. Definitely. I remember actually for graphic design school, they would go through the psychology of color. Of colors, yeah. And so like if your logo is orange, that tended to be like a younger, vibrant, like Fanta, yeah. you know? Yeah. Like pop. Yeah. yeah. Or if you have green, it's like health or nature or, yeah. right? Yeah. There's certain things you associate with it and certain feelings. So, yeah. Yeah, no, like I, so I obviously do photography and I, it's so hard. Like when people a client hired me and like I have like more of a moody photography sense when I do event photography and they want the white and bright and I'm like I don't see it like I don't know how to do like I just my mind can't wrap myself around to do like white and like green tones I'm like I don't get it like I think I do it and I look at my phone I'm like oh it's still kind of black <laughs> <laughs> and it's so it's like you and like someone looks at me they're like oh it's still so dark you're like really it's still that dark like it looks so bright <laughs> So then I started to realize, like, I have a style. And I'm like, maybe you shouldn't right. hire me. <laughs> you know, like, the style. But it's it's one of those things when I look at my phone and I look through my feed, where when you say, is it an advantage or a disadvantage, like, the feed will be, like, so bright. And then I'll see that movie picture and I'll be like, ooh. 
like that looks amazing like it's so different like right. to me it stands out because it's just so different than everything else that i'm seeing right so mm-hmm. it's kind of an advantage in my world because i i notice you more right i want to see more of what you're doing yeah well i think i think it's different for like companies and brands versus like photographers graphic designers because like as a photographer or graphic designer you might want that unique style because it's like okay that's Rihanna. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. For sure. <laughs> well, that's the thing. As like a as a business owner, it's about finding photographers who are in line with your brand, right? Yeah. So for me, like I said, I work with lots of different photographers, and it's mainly because I like them as individuals, and I want to support small business, and right. I do like their work. Um, but depending, if I'm creating like a bigger campaign or I need a lot of photos, I have to go with someone who fits my style. So it's about mm-hmm. that. Because yeah. I think some people have the wrong expectation of thinking, oh, because you're a photographer, you're going to change your editing style for each individual project and usually that's not the case right like if you have your style it's a skill yeah exactly exactly but like people think that's the expectation right um and it's just it's just not you have to look at what their style is and if it works for you great but you can't ask them to change it (laughs) like people be like oh you're a food photographer can you come take the portraits for my corporation like i've heard that (laughs) 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 i like it's different it's very different like everything about it is different right like I can't move your face so exactly yeah but it, and it's funny because like I had told somebody like I'm like oh yeah I do travel photography like landscapes like okay so can you come to my company and take pictures of like headshots of everybody I was like like I don't even know if I could do that or if I have the equipment to do that yeah. but right. it's common people think once you do something you do everything in that field right yeah. Yeah. and then they're like why didn't the pictures look good yeah it's so true well, I feel the same with social media like again Instagram is like my core platform and I do like help people with Facebook and stuff as well but people ask me about like LinkedIn and stuff mm-hmm. and I'm like I, I, I can't tell you much about it I can give you the basics but I can't help you with it and I'm like oh that's odd I'm like it's not odd like we have a niche we have a specialty um there's not anyone out there who knows all the social media platforms in and out. There's no photographer out there who thinks they're an expert in shooting landscape and portrait and food photography and events and all that kind of stuff, right? Like, you have to find the right people for what you need. Yeah, for sure. I think there's value in niche anyway. Yeah. Yeah. Because then you get someone who's an expert at something. Yeah, of course. Okay, the last quote that I pulled was, only one competitor can... Wait, is this? Yeah, okay. One, only one competitor can be the cheapest. The others have to use branding. The stronger the brand, the greater the profit margin. Yes. Mm-hmm. I completely yeah. agree with that. Right? Yeah, absolutely. And I think that's the thing with Winnipeg especially. Like, everyone's looking for a bargain. <laughs> yes. Everyone wants a deal. Like, no matter... You can talk their ear off about, like, how much education you have, how much experience you have. But, like, it doesn't matter. They want the cheapest, right? Especially yeah. when it comes to photography. If someone's hiring a photographer for their wedding, oh, um, they're God. not even looking based on the quality of the photos. No. They're looking at what the price is, yes. right? So sometimes the difference of even $10 is enough for them. Like, okay, I'll go with that one, even though yep. it's completely off from what they want. And they get the stuff back and they're surprised that it's not what they want. It's like, yeah, but you're a bargain hunter and that's what you get. And <laughs> it's so funny because that happened. Like, I'm not, like, this amazing photographer, but some guy got my name. She is, though. Mm-hmm. But. Very, very humble. Yeah. <laughs> I was in their workshop thing. <laughs> <laughs> so I, I, on my portfolio, it's like event photography mostly. And he was like, can you do weddings? And I'm like, what? I was like, is this a prank? <laughs> and he's like, well, what would your rate be? I'm like, well, you'd have to send me like inspiration photos so I can understand what you're looking for. And maybe I could hook you up with the right person. But I, I don't know if I want to do my a wedding. Yeah. It's not my style at all. Yeah. 
So I sent him like what a rate would be, and it was like me, uh, April, and Jamil, and he was gonna do the videography. And we we're like, okay, so we send him the rate, and he's like, perfect, I'll hire you, I'll send you the money. I was like, no, like I don't even know what you're looking for yet. He's like, oh, it's just sixty people, and I was like, but I don't think this is gonna work. And he's like, why? I agree to your price, and I'm like. I have no idea who you are. I have no idea what you're looking for. I have no idea what your face looks like, but you want to hire me and you've never seen my work. That falls under like my red red flag client list. Right? Because it's like, then you're going to hire me and you're going to have your wedding and hate the pictures and be mad. Yes. <laughs> Especially for weddings. Where that's like high stakes. Right? Yeah. yeah. yeah but it, so it's, it's, you have to be so careful. Yeah. Like, when you talk about branding and all these things, like it's like there's a science to it. Right. You know? It's also very difficult to communicate value to people who don't see the value in yeah. something. And I, I think I also read this on a book somewhere where it's not great to take clients that can't understand the value of whatever it is yeah. that you're providing because yeah. now you're perpetually going to argue with these people yep. about yeah. those things. And do you really want to put yourself in that scenario? Yeah. yeah. Like I've had clients who stand over my shoulder doing graphic design. Can you move that like half a millimeter to the left? Yeah. Like, yep. Sure, this is my fault for saying it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. No, yeah. and it's so true. And it, it's I, my husband. I remember um, we were when we first started the company. We were looking for some electrical jobs. So I put a post on Kijiji, and he was so mad. I was like, "Why? That's how everybody finds their, you know, electricians and whatever." And he's like, "The people you're gonna find on like Kijiji or Facebook Market looking for services are looking for the bargain deal." Yeah. So they're not gonna care how much experience you have or how much better you are. They're looking for for the most base price and they're never going to come back on you for you because the next time they need a service they're going to go back on that platform and look for the cheapest person right and it's like at the end of the day we're spending time which is almost like money on platforms like that for services and maybe we're getting money out of it but it's not beneficial to our long-term goal of retaining clients exactly and it doesn't build your brand either not at all so often these clients that you end up having don't give you the work that you would put in your portfolio and yeah. they definitely do not give you reviews that you want to keep <laughs> so, <laughs> that is so, so true right all in all it's not worth it yeah. Yeah. So, yeah i think too keeping in mind like who your target audience is right yes. so just like you know you don't want to have to you don't want to be attracting bargain hunters people who make more money don't want to work with people who charge very little right if someone is making a hundred thousand dollars a month in their business they are not going to pay me five hundred dollars a month to do their their social media because they're going to think that I'm an amateur, right? If yeah. they're making big money, they want to work with, you know, a well-known business or brand, someone who's established and right. your price point shows how you value your work and your experience and your knowledge. And if it's too low for someone who's looking for high-end work, they're not going to hire you whatsoever. I remember um, a couple of years ago, I was looking for, um, I wanted to rebrand of Strategic Charm Boutique because I did the brand myself initially, which was terrible. Um, <laughs> like I, I Googled four leaf clover and the first one that popped up, I stole it. I changed the color and I put some funky text on it. I'm like, sweet, I got a logo. Um, <laughs> that's every startup. I know, that's every true. startup it's true. Like, yeah, that's true. But after a year, I'm like, okay, I need to level up and have like an actual proper brand and website and everything. So I was looking for a web designer and my budget was $1,000 and I knew that was low for some people, um, but that's all I could afford at the time. I'm like, okay, $1,000 that's what I need. And I posted in some Facebook groups where I knew um, web designers were hanging out and people send me their work and everything. And there's one person who messaged me and said, oh, I'll actually charge you $650 for, for your website. And initially I'm like, oh, awesome. Yeah. But then I looked at her website. I looked at the website that she had in her portfolio. I'm like, 
this isn't going to be up to the standard that I'm looking for. So for me, I could have saved um, $250, $350, but me investing more in someone else who had more knowledge and more of a track record was better beneficial, beneficial for me because had I hired that person, I would have had to redone my website again the next year. Mm-hmm. Right? Yes. So. And these are things that I try to explain to people when they come yeah. to me for graphic design, especially branding work, yeah. is it is an investment. So if you if you want to spend $100 and you want just a logo versus like the actual entire branding Package, plus yeah. strategy, all these things, mm-hmm. it, it's not just $100 because it takes an <laughs> incredible amount of time, right? Yeah. Yeah. But that being said, there are different stages for businesses. Yeah. So I'd mm-hmm. say there's also different worth. Like I knew a contractor and he had all of his business was word of mouth. And he was doing fine and he didn't need more work, but he felt like he should have all the branding because he didn't have it. And I recommended to him perhaps do a little bit, but you don't seem to need a lot. So why spend like five thousand to ten thousand dollars on branding? Yeah. You know, you don't have to. That's the thing is some people they just need like a landing page. So they live in the internet, right? Like they don't need a full website with ten pages and explanations of they just need somewhere just for someone to find them if they're looking for them. Right. Um, so I think a lot of people, they, they don't realize that because they don't understand branding. So they're just like, I need everything for $5. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, well, no, what do you need right now? What do you mm-hmm. need in two years? Like make a relationship with somebody like a graphic designer or a website developer that can mm-hmm. help you meet your budget. And there are people out there can, that can meet your budget. You just have to find the right people. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Yeah. I think it's a really good way of looking at it. Cause yeah, like. Time and time again, somebody will pay for somebody cheaper and yeah. then come back to me and be like, yo, dude. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I messed up. Oh, yeah. Well, that's the thing. Like, I've given, I have, I've talked, I think I talked to you about my rates and how they're going up drastically next year. Um, I've just been too lazy to change them, but they now it's to. coming back to my knee. Um, but, like, I'd have people say, oh, like, I, that's way out of my, out of my price range. I'm like, but what do you think? this type of service usually goes for yes. like i don't like i would love to pe- have people tell me what they think this is worth right because people forget that first of all it's your time going into it it's again your ex- education your experience um but also thinking about the value it is to that person like what is it worth to you to not have to do this or to have it done right or to have it done professionally like what is that worth to you is it only worth a hundred dollars a month then I'm up for you. You get your little niece to do it and <laughs> <laughs> give her a hundred dollars. Yeah, true. <laughs> I think people forget how much time that the creative person is putting into it. Like, it's when you're doing a photo shoot, people are like, "Oh, well, I'll get my pictures back in like an hour, right?" I'm like, "What? Yeah. <laughs> Maybe in like three days." Yeah. <laughs> but like, people don't remember. Like, at you, yes, there's the photography part where you go and you take the pictures. But then there's also like the hours of editing and going through those 600 pictures to find the 50 best pictures. Like, and people yeah. don't see that part, so they pretend like it doesn't exist. Yeah. So like, we're gonna pay you 30 bucks for a five-hour shoot and 10 hours of editing. <laughs> right, and that's why I like okay. Speaking of that, I never charge based on time. Right. Right? Like, if I've trained for X number of years to be in this niche thing and be good at it and be efficient, why would I be penalized by charging by hour? Because I will charge less than most people because I'm fast. Exactly. And And effective. (laughs) (laughs) Exactly. I used to do, like, a handful of, like, trades with people, and I have one trade left that I like 
doing it but um there are some people where it's like oh well can we trade based on time i'm like no because doing your content for a week only takes me 20 minutes based on th- that particular business in their industry right um so how how would that even work right so i don't do that based on time i do it based on value and everything else that factors in and time could change based on your project with that client right like your time for your services could be 20 minutes one month and then four hours the next month right so it's it's tough to gauge sometimes depending on what you're doing for them definitely yeah definitely well and i've i've noticed too so people tend to the focus is different if you charge per hour the focus is how are you using your time versus the focus on uh, results right. and like things that you are actually wanting, the things that you value. Why not pay for those things, like the right. value as you were talking about, versus yeah. Kay, have you spent twenty minutes on this logo or twenty two minutes on this logo? <laughs> yeah. yeah, exactly. Are you sure? <laughs> yeah. yeah, it's so true. Yeah, yeah. You know, it's 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 a definitely it's an interesting world to be in right now, where there are so many freelance artists and freelance creatives doing different things because. Nobody, I think, understands how to charge for their time. Like everyone's just like, oh, well, I'll just charge this amount, and they're like, oh man, <laughs> I made a mistake there. So yeah. it's it's a lot of gauging, and when people are like, well, what do I get for this, and what do I get for that, it's like, well, okay, I can't package you <laughs> to like, tell you how much they'll charge for that yeah. specific project, right? Yeah. Which is why it's always weird when people ask for hourly rates because I'm like, oh, well, what is your project? Yeah. <laughs> what do you want to actually be doing and achieving here? Exactly. Yeah. You have to sit down and have that conversation versus, yes, I charge X dollars per hour. Yeah. And then there's like, you know, people like you pay for subscriptions. If you're paying for Lightroom, if you're paying for Canva, if you're paying for lighting, yes. if you're paying for microphones, like there's a lot of money that goes in behind the scenes. Like you have to have a computer that's, you know, not 500 bucks. Like you need a good yes. computer for everything that you're doing in editing. And it's, there's a lot of money behind it that we have to pour into the business that's not reflected on an hourly wage. You know? Yes. <laughs> I'm going to tell you a horror story. Tell us. Because you're talking about (laughs) equipment. (laughs) So when I started doing food photography, I had a client and we were doing this shoot. And I had my light stands, like these light stands, in the area. He takes the light, lifts it up, and is like, hey, the lighting's better here. So I'm just going to hold your equipment over the thing. He's like, can you pass me your camera so that I can also take the... Why am I here? Yeah. <laughs> it's like, yeah, would you like exactly. to rent my equipment instead? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Oh my god, that would be heart wrenching. I'd be like, please don't drop it. Right? <laughs> like the equipment costs more than he was paying me. So right. Please don't drop this. That's the other thing. Some people are just like they want to be so in it. I've had clients too where it's like I'm doing your social media to take um this off of your hand so you can do other things but if you're gonna like kind of go at it line by line and like change the photos and do all different things like you're wasting your money paying me because obviously you're just doing it yourself right so why am i here (laughs) yeah yeah no for sure like i've had i have some social media clients as well and i've had them been like do you want to come and hang out today and we'll just work on our stuff i'm like not really doing here like you're paying yeah. me to do this why am i gonna hang out for you yeah. with you for you to tell me what to do step by step yeah exactly <laughs> yeah <But. laughs> oh, it happens more than you think <laughs> okay what other questions do i have oh okay so i noticed the other thing so you have your charm boutique yep and even the branding by the beach there's a lot of emphasis on community yeah. so 2m we also have this thing 
theme going of community. So what does that mean to you? I guess for me, a community is just having a group of people around who you can, who you can talk (laughs) about, um, who you are connecting with on a regular basis. Uh, I guess for me, it looks different because I have different, different brands that I'm working on. Um, So I would say in terms of, I guess, strategic charm boutique, I'm just kind of building a community of people who are business owners who are all just kind of learning together. Like I'm only almost four years in business. Like I don't consider myself a business expert by any means. I think even if you're 20 years in, you're still not an expert and there's people you can always learn from no matter what point they are at in their business. So for me, it's more like building a network of people who you can engage with on a regular basis, ask questions to and support based on the skills that you have to offer. Yeah, support. Yeah. Support. And that's the thing. Oh my God. Okay, so a lot like that's the thing. I think a lot of people forget about that support, right? Yes. And there's this quote I heard years ago that always sticks with me is like, don't claim the fame if you can't be bothered with the fans. I say it to all my social media clients who I'm helping them build this strategy and they do it on their own. Um, because we're always so quick. We want to post on social media and get all these likes and all these comments and all these shares. But I'm like, are you are you doing that with other people? Are you going to other people's accounts and liking their stuff and commenting? on it and sharing their content you're not you're not supporting them so why would they support you i feel like you're talking directly to me (laughs) (laughs) it's so true though like if you when it comes to community which is why we started running workshops for free now because like it's giving back or giving first to people Mm. right because like we appreciate the creative community and there's so much talent here and all these things and that's why even for the pachakacha thing we didn't talk about 2M we talked about the people on 2M yeah Yeah, so it's that kind of thing and I totally agree yeah Yeah. that's definitely like um so with um my husband and I we have a solar company as I mentioned and when we went into the Caribbean aspect of our business we launched a pilot program so we actually did a free solar install this year which is very expensive we did it at a trade school and we actually invited the agricultural and the electrical students to come in and show them how to install it and show them how it's supposed to be properly done in the equipment and we went and we approached all the solar companies in Trinidad and Tobago and we're like hey we're here we want to create this community of solar because it's an expensive trade (laughs) and I believe there's a room for all of us and we can collaborate we're you know, one may lack and one may have more expertise in and work together. Mm-hmm. Um, and people were like, what? <laughs> like, they were so shocked. And I was like, you know, we're coming in um, because we want to be here, but we all want to coexist. We don't want to come in and take over. And we don't want someone to steal jobs from you or steal jobs from us. We want to work together. And we know specifically why we're here and what we're doing and how we can help you. And it was such a shock. Um to the solar community there, but it's benefited us so much because we've had consultancy jobs. So not we're, we're obviously based in Winnipeg, so we've had consultancy jobs or people who've ran into troubleshooting issues and we're able to remotely help those companies from here. So not only, not only are we building our own business within the community, but we're building them, their business as well. So it works both ways. And, you know, we've had amazing opportunities that are coming up in 2020 because of that, because we've reached out, because we've kind of came in with an open door. We didn't come in and say, this is ours. And we're going to be the only ones because that's never going to work. There's always going to be competition. So I feel like when you collaborate and you put yourself out there and you offer free workshops, people are softened to you and are more willing to come to you and speak to you and recommend you that way, right? Right. 
Yes, absolutely. What <laughs> <laughs> I think too, again, like people just like you were saying, like people just get so scared to like share information and share yes. the resources. And I think that's why with Hustle and Charm, um, we do these hustlers roundtables. We do them by industry, so it's like a industry focused networking event. So we've had ones for photographers, wedding industries. Yeah, we're actually doing one for podcasts in the in the first quarter. So like, like you guys know when that's happening. <laughs> yeah, it's gonna be awesome. Well, because the thing is, again, people. We have this fear that there's not enough business for everyone, right? Winnipeg is a small city, but it's not so small that like only one of each type of industry can exist, one of each type of business can exist, right? Yeah. We can all share, and I think um, the more we collaborate and share resources and support one another, the more the more abundance and the more work that's going to flow through everyone's business, right? So yeah. it's not about keeping things secret. And I think that's again, people just feel um, self-conscious about it. They think, okay, well, you're going to be better than me, so I can't tell you about this tool I use or this platform or I can't share this client experience I've had and how I've improved it, right? We just get so worried about that, but there's more than enough for everyone and the more we can support each other, again, just the better it can all be. And it sounds so cheesy, like the happier we'll be, but it's true. It really is true. Like if you were, if you guys were the only podcast in Winnipeg, how boring would that be? Right? Yeah, because you true. have a very, your podcast is like, it's, there's a very clear focus about it and you have certain types of guests on it. Whereas mm-hmm. other podcasts are totally different. Right? So why, why would you just have one when you can have many and all support each other and come together? Exactly. Yeah. A great example was um, recently. So Charmaine had a social media client who didn't fit her um mm. her roster so she passed it to me and i had a conversation so i mean he didn't fit my roster either for what he was looking for <laughs> which is fine but i was able to pass him along to another social media manager who i felt would meet, meet better match his needs and i haven't heard since so i'm assuming they're working together <laughs> but you know it's like it's a funnel of business so not only were we able to find the right person to match what he was looking for the right expert in that field but we were able to refer him to three different businesses he didn't even know existed to potentially refer us and now he knows what we're each about so if he works with somebody else he'll refer us depending on that so yeah like he might contact you directly next time for something else yeah. right and like i think you're at the photographer roundtable that we had yeah, yeah yeah um and yeah a lot of referral systems were built there because like you were saying like photography is different some people focus on weddings boudoir brand photos even landscape. styles within yeah right like yeah, yeah, exactly. within. Yeah. so then at least if someone says oh i need you to shoot a wedding you're like okay well i don't do that but here's three people who i know who do it was so funny because yeah. when um they did the the photography workshops and Serena was teaching us about like food photography and how to do it and I I was looking at everyone's pictures and we were all standing in the same place <laughs> looking at the same thing and all of our pictures looked different. so different yeah. <laughs> yeah. I was like wow how did you make it look like that <laughs> but it, I mean that just goes to show that everybody's eye is so different right yeah. so exactly and it never really made any sense like for coming from a photographer standpoint like how am i supposed to deal with all the clients in the city yeah exactly like, yeah. you're only one person <laughs> i don't have time for that shit yeah it's so true yeah well even just um even this week there's um a realtor who wanted to work with me and he wanted me to help him create a series of um ad campaigns for facebook and i do facebook ads here and there but like i don't like doing them and i usually don't do them with clients yeah. if that's all i'm doing for them if it's part of like another a bigger marketing campaign then sure but if it's just that, I don't like doing it. So um, I referred him to a couple other people because it's something I am knowledgeable in, I have skills in, but it's not on my radar right now to focus on. So I can pass it on to someone else and not have to worry about mm-hmm. um, being the only person in the city capable of doing it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I was actually posed a question recently about, about food workshops or food photography. And he said, well, why would you, or aren't you worried 
that if you were to teach everyone everything, that they would go out and they would take your jobs from you and they would be as just as knowledgeable. And, you know, I've never thought about that because like, <laughs> I don't care. Yeah. <laughs> I would gladly teach everyone everything. And at the workshop, even I said, like, ask me anything. I will yeah. teach you everything I know because... To say that would mean that you think that you're going to stay stagnant and yeah. that you're not going to improve. Yes. Like, as I improve, I can teach people more things, but I will continue to improve. Yeah. It's yeah. not like I'm going to stay here. This is my skills. This is it. And you can't touch them. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Like, I last Saturday, I had, like, an all-day, like, content creation workshop for Instagram. Cool. And one of the first people to sign up for that workshop was another social media manager. Um, so, for me, I could have been like, oh, my God, they're going to come and, like, look at my workbook and, like, copy it and do all these things, blah, 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 blah. Um, but no, like I want to help her. And she actually focused more so on Facebook and she just wanted to learn more about Instagram so she can help her clients as well. And again, that's fine because one, there's more than enough business. Two, I'm flattered that you see me as someone that you want to learn from. Yes. And three, like even if she was, even if I handed her my business plan and all my strategy and all my knowledge on a silver platter, we're different people. We're still going to have a different experience with our with our clients. It's going to be... Um, it's different. We have different brands, right? So again, there's more than enough for everyone. Yeah, yeah exactly. <laughs> yeah, yeah, no, it's so true. I th- I think people are like, like you said, they're just scared. Like people are so scared. And it's like, I remember there's this food, um, I don't know, she, she's a food photographer, a food blogger or whatever. And she had told somebody, she was like, this is my bread and butter. Like, what are you doing in this industry? And like, the girl told me, I was like, what? There's like 40 million flu blockers in Winnipeg. (laughs) She's clearly targeting the wrong thing and she wants to be the only one, you know? Like, you're not the only one who eats. Right? Like, if you go to a restaurant, you see how many people take pictures of their food, right? Like, you you can't, if you have that attitude, you're never going to get ahead. Like, you're always going to be fighting for a position and it's like, I don't know. It's just like it's not helping your like your inner child at all. We <laughs> have yeah. so many negative yeah. emotions. Yeah. And that is another thing. Just the sense of community. I think you can because there's so much talent in Winnipeg. You can grow from that versus like the competition that happens. Yeah. Mm-hmm. We can't go past the first step if we're all starting it. A yeah. right, yeah, <laughs> it's true. Yeah, you're yeah. way too busy keeping everybody at one point instead of everybody really yeah. like getting better. Yeah, you know? exactly. Also, yeah. if everyone improved, we could start charging more. Yeah, <laughs> it's true <laughs> though. It. It's so yeah. true. Other women pay just might stop. No, but if the baseline is all the same in terms of that, then it's all about yeah. your your differentiating factor, right? Yeah, yeah, exactly. And people yeah, people actually have to look at your work and mm. um, look at what they're looking for versus looking at what's cheapest. Are we unionizing? Yes. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> well, you know what? Again, after one of those uh, roundtable events, we were talking about that, talking about how I think I can't remember what industry it was. I think it was like business coaches, and we we're talking about how or no, it was health coaches. I don't know. It was something, some kind of coach. Um, and we're talking about how, yeah, people don't want to pay our rates or, or their or their rates. And everyone's like, okay, well, we should like collectively decide to charge more. And I was talking about that on Instagram stories. I kind of give like little tidbits of what our um, event was like and what we uh, had some of the takeaways were. And someone said there's a name for that and that you're not supposed to do that. Like it's like I don't, I don't know if it's like illegal or if it's just like frowned upon. But, but there's a name where people in one industry collectively decide to raise Oligarchy. their prices. Sorry, oligarchy. Oh, is that what it's called? I think There's so. There's another name for it, too. I can't remember what it was, but yeah. Is that legal or is that... I don't you... know if it's legal or not okay. legal. Also, I have, like, yeah, I have no clue. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You sounded so 
so like sure. That's what the definition is. Yeah. Still the legalities <laughs> But yeah, I just heard. Yeah, I heard that you're not supposed to do that technically. But I feel like if you so know. So then, how are like unions? Did they start being formed if people didn't? started that way i mean if you're part of a union then maybe but if you're just like if you're just like a group of like makeup artists who decide okay every makeup artist in the city is going to start by charging a hundred dollars an hour or whatever there's like a, another name for it as well that i don't know okay i had some specific entrepreneur business type questions since Ooh. you guys work together Jesus and we work together yeah interesting yeah, we're, we're here all night <laughs> <laughs> we moved in yeah. <laughs> okay how do you find it is working with another person? Oh, I hate it. She's the worst. <laughs> she's the worst person. She's like, like so horrible. Even the fact that she's here right now, I can barely even look at her. I'm just like over it now. <laughs> Too much. We spent like an hour and a half of the car together on the way here. We're not getting right back. You know that, right? <laughs> you live here now. Well, it's okay. They've got nice lives. <laughs> um, you know what? I think the key to our partnership was when I had originally came up with the idea, there were a lot of people I could have approached who were in social media, but I chose Charmaine based on the fact that we were, we're very similar in the fact that we're... Um, super on, awesome. <laughs> super awesome. For one. Fashion on point, <laughs> lipstick on point. <laughs> but we're very laid back, but on top of things. So um, we're not... Neither of us are type A, I don't think. But I think we're both... We get our list done, per se. Yeah. Um, and I think she's very flexible, um, and we're both very understanding. So that's what made me approach her firstly and be like, this might be a good partnership for us. Yeah. Um, I think that was key, is finding someone who could keep you accountable, but also uh, keep the boat afloat. Yeah. And that worked for us. And I think, like, we're, like, again, we're both independently busy with life and other business ventures. And, yeah, I think what we're saying is, like, we understand each other and um, we... I don't know. We keep each other accountable, but we're not like on each other's asses so much. Like, oh my god, you didn't do this, or you didn't do that. Like, we understand like life is also happening around, um, around us planning this project together. So it's nice where we can kind of like one can kind of pick things up if needed, and we both know what our skills are, right? So like I said earlier, like I write a lot of the stuff that we do like, in terms of like social media and websites and that kind of thing, and she does like a lot of the graphics and like putting it all together, and we found our harmony pretty quick. So yeah, yeah. 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 There's a lot of people I could not work with, so I feel <laughs> grateful that <laughs> that yeah. this is going well. <laughs> yeah, it's uh it was hard. and like we like you said, we know we know where each other fit and yeah. we knew what we were good at and we went with that first. Rather than figuring out who was worse at something or like looking at the <laughs> negative behaviors in the other, yeah. we made it work with the, the positive side. She yeah. was like, I can write, I'm like, Good, I'll build the website. Yeah. Like yeah. let's go there. <laughs> and that's how it started. Yeah, exactly, exactly. Yeah, that's perfect. That's so good. <laughs> I know one of the questions we're often asked is how do you deal with um, disagreements? Like if you don't think the creative uh, strategy is correct, how do you Yeah, I usually choose? shut down in that room and <laughs> <laughs> wait till uh, she puts up with it. Yeah. <laughs> um, I don't think we've had, do we have any major disagreements about anything? We haven't had any, dis but we've been very honest with each other. Yeah. So if something was happening that the other one didn't like, I feel like, Charmaine, I don't like this sentence, or I don't like <laughs> yeah. how this is written, or I don't think this is working. And so more, more than most of the time, she's like, yeah, I didn't think so either. Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah, going with it. yeah. So it, we've been honest. And I think yeah. that's a hard thing to do when you're working with somebody who you may not um, be 100% comfortable with from the yeah. beginning. 
Um, but we both kind of went that way, so it's worked so far. We'll yeah. see what happens in the next six weeks. <laughs> That's the thing, Stop like, <laughs> right? Oh my goodness, <laughs> two whole weeks. Um, but yeah, I think yeah, I think we're honest and comfortable too, right? And, yeah. and flexible. So, um, like, just like even talking about like our branding colors or price points for tickets. Like sometimes we've had times where like, well, I think it should be this or I think it should be that. But again, it's just finding that middle ground and we respect each other enough to listen to each other and not just feel like it's a personal attack. I think sometimes when people agree with us, we take it personally. Like, oh my God, they think I'm stupid or they don't like my ideas or whatever, but it's not personal. It's it's just business. business. (laughs) And we just like, we have the same goals. We just want this to be the best conference we've ever put on which is the first one so the <laughs> the bar's pretty low i think <laughs> but it will be good but like we have the same goals right so we know even if we agree on something that we have the same outcome in mind actually though we had to book a hotel and we originally my heart was set on a different hotel and i was like okay charmaine it's december 6th i've been talking to this hotel since june 11th yeah. they haven't oh confirmed my. anything and the conference is in two months i'm switching it and like yeah. rather than her um kind of argue back and forth with me she was like okay if you trust your gut instinct go with what you want to do i'm good with it so i think that helps is that the fact that she trusts me when it comes to certain decisions and i trust her like she's like i don't like that coffee i'm like okay (laughs) do what you want it's like it's understanding that flexibility understanding um that I could need to step back and she needs to step back when it comes to certain avenues of the business. And I think too, like neither of us have like that kind of like I told you so t- type of attitude. So if, something are, if something's not going to go well or we, we get there and something is like, oh, well, we should have actually done it this way. I don't think we're going to like post blame on the other person for decisions that we've made. Again, we, we're both in this together and um, it's been a cool experience so far. I'm excited for it to actually go to some <laughs> That should be the <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, I don't know. When you're working in a partnership, trusting is the yes. biggest, hardest part of the relationship. Absolutely. Yeah. Well, even the honesty, like I am a very direct person. Oh man, yesterday I was, I was getting a critique from her and she's like, you just rewrite everything. <laughs> She's like, like, scrap it! (laughs) Which was a real thing. And there was a part of me that's like, I think most people would actually take this very, like, too hard. Yeah. And to be able to understand that, like, they are out there for your best interest. Trust your partner that, you know, they're they're moving in the same direction that you both want. Yeah. It's just being able to listen and not take it to heart, you know? Yeah. And I appreciate that about you because if I have to, like, dance around and be sugary about things i'm annoyed because yeah. it's not efficient <laughs> exactly that's true that's fair yeah, yeah. It it's yeah. Like, to the heart though yeah that's when you know it was harsh yeah. Yeah. <laughs> no it's funny because i experienced the same thing because my my other companies with my partner so not only are we living together raising a child together and a having a life we're running a business so it's like we're always in each other's face and it's like sometimes like he was he wanted me to start a social media post yesterday i'm like we haven't posted in six months because we've just been busy so i'm like i'm not going to start the strategy till after christmas and he was like no i want it now i'm like you need to back off or post it yourself <laughs> like, and he's like i don't know how to post it i was like exactly but it's like and it's like it seems like a silly disagreement but it was pretty big <laughs> but it's like 
like one of those things where it's like, okay, you need to back off. Like when you're out doing whatever you do all day, like I don't question you where you are, what you're doing, why you spent that money. So when I'm doing something on the marketing end of the company, don't question me. Just listen and back off. Yeah. <laughs> <Stay> <laughs> <in your> <laughs> yeah. No, it yeah. is definitely that too, right? Is to be able to yeah. stay in your lane, you kind of have to trust the other person yeah. to exactly. do their job. Yeah. And like you were saying, honestly too, like there are sometimes I'm like, like Rihanna, I just did not do it. Like I don't have an excuse. I just didn't do it. It's coming. Like it's happening. <laughs> You'll get it eventually. For a and we sat there for like three hours, and Charmaine was like, "I'm just, I just don't know what to do." I'm like, "Well, two hours have passed, so just luckily as an hour ago, <laughs> it doesn't make sense to do anything at this point." But sometimes it's just understanding that you need to turn off, and like yeah. you can't function during even over meeting for those three hours you just yeah. can't function and you're tired and you're hangry and whatever it is hangry. i was hangry on the way here <laughs> <laughs> yeah. so it's, and you just have to be understanding i was like you know what girl just close your laptop and just chill yeah. out for the next hour well that's yeah. the thing like understanding what your what your partner needs and how they work right like on the way here i was grumpy because like my phone wasn't working and it was snowing outside and i was hungry and then she bought me tim hortons i'm like okay cool i'm, I'm happy now <laughs> thank stop you Take a yeah minute. exactly <laughs> Do you want to eat? I'm like, no. She's like, are you sure? I'm like, yeah, okay, I want to eat something. <laughs> That's yeah. a good part. Right? <laughs> yeah, exactly. I know the feeling all too well. <laughs> all right. Um, the other one, time management. Ooh, this is for you, Are you going to teach us about it? <laughs> we could learn a little bit. Oh, I can learn a little bit. <laughs> I just find that that tends to be something that's really difficult to deal with, with when you're working with other people. Yes. That was not aimed at you. No, just so no. you know. <laughs> when you're working with other people, it's just not So what Charmaine and I have kind of been doing over the process is we've kind of been meeting each other every week, two or three times. I mean, like, these are our goals for this week. Right. And we get as many knocked off the list. Obviously, some are more priority than the others. But, you know, you do what you can with the time because we are running <laughs> Just for a context. Yeah. <laughs> I'm a professional videographer. <laughs> this literally happens. I'll be talking to her and my like, like my, I'll be like reading something, and then she'll just have a camera coming <laughs> slowly into my face. Um, but no, like we we put a to do list, we prioritize it, and we try to get as much done. Like we're both running several side businesses and have the branding on the beach, which is essentially a side business. Definitely. on its own and it's a lot of work it's probably the most work of any of the businesses that i'm in right now <laughs> yep. but you know you do what you can to get it all done and you just have to live with the fact that some things don't get done and they go on to next week and that's just life as an entrepreneur yeah, yeah. and i think if you can't realize that that's life then you're never going to make it with a partner because yeah. <laughs> it's just it's impossible right yeah, sure. i would say on the flip side for those who don't learn some time management it's very difficult to work with them. Yes. So like if you were trying to be an entrepreneur, like, okay, I've not met any entrepreneur that can't manage time. Yeah. Because if you're self-managed, you have to be able to do, well, (laughs) (laughs) somehow you get things done though. (laughs) You get the important things done. (laughs) But I do find that like, entrepreneurs tend to have some kind of self-management ability. Yeah. And I think when it's on your plate, you, you feel the urge to get it off your plate more, right? Yes. And you're not constraining yourself to five hours a day or seven hours a day. You have your whole day that you could work and right. plug things in where you get the time. So it's 
it's different, right? Yeah. Like you work more, but you're happier, and yeah. your outcomes are usually a bit better because you're working. On yeah, that's actually that. very true. That we, I definitely feel like I work more. Yeah. yeah. Like an absurdly large amount of hours, yeah. but <laughs> I definitely do feel a lot happier. And yeah. Yeah. I think it's a matter of character that it's very fine for people to just work for someone else. And, you know, there's, it's not really on your plate. It technically mm-hmm. is on your plate, but yeah. it does fall to the top at the end. Yeah. Whereas when it's on you, it's your business or your yours and your partner's business. There yeah. is some sense of responsibility in that. And yeah. it's a matter of character to kind of put that time. Well, that's the thing. Like, I don't feel like not everyone has that entrepreneurial spirit, right? Some people need that more of that structure of going to a nine to five and um, following the rules or guidelines of somewhere else or someone else. Um, but I think one of the benefits of being an entrepreneur, like I said, we we probably work more than most people who have your typical nine to five job. Um, but it's stuff that we like. It's stuff that we're passionate about, and you, you got to eat too, right? So yeah. like. <laughs> You can't just choose just not to work for like a couple of weeks without knowing where that income is coming from, right? So that's a big part of it too. I think for me, what my one of my goals for next year is to get back into um, working in batch days, which I used to do like a long time ago. So every day would have a focus. And for me, that's more important now than it was then. So because I have... Um, strategic, strategic Charm Boutique and Hustle and Charm and Branding by the Beach and whatever else I'm doing, um, I need to have those focuses so I know, okay, you know what, this day is where I'm just doing client work and that's it. This day I'm working just on developing my services and marketing and that kind of thing, that's it. This day I'm working on Branding by the Beach stuff. So like doing that for me would be easier because it is kind of hard to have one day where one day I'm writing content or one hour I'm writing content for someone. Now I'm in a meeting about something else now i'm hosting an event now i'm trying to write a blog post for myself now i'm trying to record a video like it's just a lot to do in one day mm-hmm. um so for me the batch days is something i have to bring back for my schedule yeah um this this month actually because i'm horrible at using my day planner like i buy it and i'm so excited i got all the stickers i'm like this is gonna be an amazing yeah. year and then like three months in it's like not used anymore it's like yeah. not, so yeah. i got like one of those like tabletop like five day planners oh nice. so on sunday like i sit down and i think okay these are all the projects i have to do this week these are all the things i have to do and i put like the biggest stuff on different days right and then throughout the week obviously five million more things come up and that's fine but like at least i have a focus every day when i get up that this is the project that needs to be done before i go to bed at the end of the day do you find that that's easier, like, since both of you do it? Do you find that's easier than doing things like, okay, these are the priorities, I'm going to do all these priorities, even if they're from different projects? Yes. Um, because to me, like, I like to see the end of a project. And when I used to do the list, and then my list would change every day because new things would come in. So maybe I would get 10 things off the list, but the bulk of it would still be there. And the things that I would get done probably don't really care if they get done or not. They were more n- things that I just wanted to check off the list. Right. So when I can actually focus on the week of what I need to do for the week and get all those big things off the list, I feel like I'm moving forward. Like I feel like I'm at least stepping at least one step forward a little bit every day. I don't know. I think what's important too is to realize what is a simple line item on your to-do list and what's actually your project so like for me i'll have all i do the list sometimes too and i'll have like oh plan all hustle and charm events for the first quarter or plan all the events across canada like as if it's gonna take me like an hour just to do that <laughs> but that's a project that's right true. so it's even so doing a, even a blog post like if i want to write a blog post that's a project so i'm writing the blog post i'm adding in the links i'm getting an image there i'm scheduling it to my website like all these different things so knowing what's an actual single singular item versus what takes more time and has more um, to-do list 
items underneath that. But you know what's amazing? Yes. It's when you're like, you put like emails, Serena, and then you check it off. You're like, yes! Yeah, exactly. <laughs> when you know you're going to do it in two minutes, you're like, oh, cool. Take a sip of my coffee. Send, Send a picture to check, check, done. Yeah. Yeah. done. Yeah, exactly. It's like, oh, I did so much today. Yeah, 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 for sure. But it's that instant gratification that doesn't make any difference in your yeah. day. Yeah, it's just fun. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. I got a bunch of like normal day-to-day stuff like on my checklist. Of course. Yeah. You know, like, Take a up. shower. Take a shower. Yeah. 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 yeah, I'm winning. It's only yeah. 9 a.m. <laughs> <laughs> so perfect. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, it feels good. Yeah, I'm definitely really bad at uh, managing my time f- from the batch perspective. I'll yeah. like have okay, these are all priorities. Got to get all these priorities done. Yeah, and I'll list. Too much to do in one day, and then yeah. I end up being disappointed every day because yeah. like yeah. you didn't do all these. Things. Or even in a week, like most of my to do lists, I can't even do it in a week or even in in a month. Like it's crazy. Like like you know, write all my content for the next six months, or like just things that like aren't realistic, right? Mm-hmm. So yeah. it's it's trying to know yourself and trying to as you complete projects, trying to figure out okay, how much time does that actually take me and manage it that way as opposed to thinking it takes you an hour when you know it really mm. takes you four hours each time yeah. yeah yeah it takes a bit of retrospection to know like how much yeah. things actually will take you so that for the next week you can adjust your list and say like okay i can actually only have this much yeah, yeah. on this list so then you're refining it every week it's not yeah. like i'm gonna do everything in one week and then you actually need to sleep right there's that yeah <laughs> That's when we're like texting wrong. each other like one o'clock in the morning about I'm like hey did you do this did yeah. you do that okay we'll we just tomorrow. know we're, we're both up all <laughs> yeah. the time so and it's hard too because I think as entrepreneurs you forget that you have a life right so like yeah. I have a son so I'm like I forget like oh I need to take four hours out of my day to actually bond and make memories and <laughs> sit down yeah. with my kid right yeah. like not yeah. just sit there and work while he put it on YouTube and let him watch yeah. TV like that's not that is, and I did that. Like when he was younger, I would do that. I would just put the movies on for him, and I would try and get my work done and do all these things. And then I was just like, "What am I doing? Like I'm missing my life." Mm-hmm. And that doesn't make sense either. So even though there's a hard balance in entrepreneurial life, you have to fit it in. Like you have to yeah. fit photo shoots in the winter, and <laughs> you know, yes, like yeah. it's just you have to find time in your day to actually experience your life. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I love to hear that you're actually putting that as also another priority in your, yeah. in your uh, day-to-day list, right? Yeah. you definitely lose track of that. And over time, as you've spent like countless hours not sleeping and <laughs> yeah. working, you realize like, oh, I missed some, it's feeling empty, you know? Yeah. yeah. And that's, I actually read, I can't remember where I read it, but I read a book and it was like, the most important time in your children's day is when they wake up and when they go to bed and like spending 20 minutes with them on each end. And I was like, I don't even do that. Like I wake up and I'm downstairs in the basement office working and he gets up and my mom will take care of him. And then it's like, why am I not doing that? Like, why am I not taking that hour in the morning to wake up with him and eat breakfast and like, you know, teach him like how to be a human (laughs) when I'm home working from home. And it was like, like, it was like a, it was like a, wow like it was like an aha moment that's just like i can make that time if i can make the time to watch tv or to answer emails like i can take the time to spend with my son or my husband or charmaine hang out you know <laughs> like it, it's it's about balance and your to-do list is always going to be there it's always going to be there tomorrow if you don't get it done today it's fine like that cl- there's always going to be a client wanting something it is what it is so it's balancing is the only way you're going to be able to truly satisfactory within what you're doing at the end of the day 
are trying to balance, I should say. <laughs> and I think it's weird to say, like, I don't want to say it's harder. Like, obviously, having a kid is, like, a hard, like, it, it's time-consuming, and yes. you want to be with your child. Mm -hmm. For me, like, I don't have any kids. I don't have a partner. It's just me. Oh. Um, <laughs> but because it's just me, like, I don't have to give my attention to anyone to anyone else so then it's hard for me to stop working because i'm like well why would i stop working because what what am i doing because even yesterday i work from 9 a.m to 7 30 p.m and then at 7 30 i made dinner i watched gilmore girls i was watching stuff on youtube and all of a sudden it was 10 30 and i felt so guilty that i didn't do work for three whole hours i'm like charmaine but you work from 9 to 7 30 are you not supposed to take a break ever like you know what i mean so at least have i find like if i had someone around with me i can be like okay i'm gonna take a break and talk to this person or like take care of my child or whatever but it's it's hard for me to find like that off switch because because i know i can work all day i feel like i should and i love the fact that you like take the weekends off for your family <sighs> that's just a lot of obligation but yeah <laughs> no, it's so cute. i do try i do try to i do try to stick to certain days where i'm like okay like i might do a little bit of work but like i can't commit to like too much more than a couple of quick to do Absolutely. list yeah. items so yep and i mean like Speaking of like the batch scheduling thing, like that's yeah. one thing I've hacked is Sundays, I'm not working. Like I don't yeah. need to work. And even though like I, I definitely could be working on the Sunday, and I used to work on Sundays throughout the entire yeah. day of the week because oh Monday's video day, so I got to put a video Monday. Right? Yeah, <laughs> yeah. But now it's like do whatever you want with that time. If you really want to work, then go for it. Yeah. And now I've realized like I don't really feel as guilty if I'm just hanging out with my friends or yeah. if I'm playing games or I'm watching YouTube or just taking a nap you know well that's the thing if I schedule like an end to my day or like some time for myself then I don't feel guilty about it but if it's just like comes up like randomly and it shouldn't even be random like every day i should just be having time to eat dinner um, <laughs> but if it comes up randomly that's where i feel guilty I'm like oh i didn't plan to to sit here for three hours so and i feel like i didn't get as much done i'm like you've been working for like the last like nine hours like mm -hmm. you can take three hours off it's fine yeah, <laughs> yeah. oh i struggle with that <laughs> yeah it's hard it's so yeah. hard it's and so again hard. like our to-do list was so long and i think because especially we're all creative types i feel we're more likely to add more and more to our stuff right we always mm -hmm. want to be fulfilled with the creative things that we're doing so we added more projects and i love every single thing that i'm a part of um but then yeah it's just trying to fit it all in so i'm like okay well if i can stay up till 2 a.m then i should because i have that much stuff to get done right meanwhile i can't go to bed at 2 and wake up at 7 30 and feel energized for the next day so mm -hmm. yeah sleeping yeah <laughs> what is sleeping? Yeah. who needs it i think that's everything that's awesome. Um, I guess one more thing that I would like to ask. So for anybody that's listening out there to say they saw your stuff and said, I want to start my own business mm -hmm. uh, in a creative space, what would be your advice to them in the space of branding? Ooh. Just start. Just, <laughs> I was going to say that to you. I'm like, just start. Just start. No I wonder your like, partner. Yeah. <laughs> right? Your brand is something that evolves over time, as you mentioned in one yeah. of your yeah. quotes. It's not something that is stagnant. Um, and I think when you start a business, and I think we've all probably been through this, but you start with what you think your brand is. And then six months in, you're like, I'm, I'm no longer that person or I have evolved to see a much greater vision and then you I, two years down the line it changes again like my blog logo has changed like seven times in five years yeah. and it's and that's okay because people don't care it's like, yeah. your brand is for you and it's for your consumers but at the end of the day it's really about you and your company right so the people are just following your your path 
they don't care when you change. They don't care if your voice changes because they're following along. So they might not even notice it. It might be a seamless transition because they're evolving with you. So just don't think too much into it. Just start and slowly figure out who you are. And I think even just like, just start talking about what you want to do, right? Because sometimes just talking it out with people um, can inspire your next step. Mm-hmm. Um, I think for me, I like I like the element of surprise a lot. So I always like wait to, to like a certain date where I can launch things and like surprise people. But there's so much value in talking about it and getting that feedback along the way, whether it's um, asked for or not. <laughs> um, and like Rihanna was saying, like your, your, your brand and your business is going to evolve like many, many times and um it's gonna change i know for me like my social i have a social media business but it started off as um more so event planning right for so the first like six to eight months i was focused heavily on event planning which didn't make sense for um the town i was living in at the time and all these other things and then eventually i'm like okay social media has to be the focus right so um just be open to change leave room for change yes you can sit down and write your mission statement and your value statement and your all these other things but just leave room for growth I like that. Sure. And I totally believe in speaking things into ex- existence. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. It, and yes. it really makes you maybe like personally accountable because you said it. Yeah. And now you kind of have to hold up to yourself. Yeah, right? exactly. Yeah. yeah. And I think just like what we talked about before is if, if you have any any issues or you're confused about what you want to do is meet people that are in the space that you want to be in and talk to them about their past and their struggles and their identities and where they're going because... They, they've been through where you are. Everybody's been through where you are. And kind of meeting people in that space, it makes you feel more comfortable and more excited to start your path, right? I totally agree. I'm nodding, yep. <laughs> <laughs> and that's why we have these conversations, right? Yeah. Is that we are all in the same space together, yeah. and now we're getting a chance to share where we're at and where we've been through. So and I really appreciate that you guys are all, you know, here. And Thank you. Yeah, super, thanks it's super for nice. having yeah, us. Yeah, this is fun. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, I guess just to kind of start wrapping up, uh, I'll start with Rihanna again. Maybe where could the audience find and support your work, and where can we see you moving forward? <sighs> You know, you never know. But um, <laughs> right now you can find me. So my blog is www.neverseecomesee.com. And my Instagram handle is at neverseecomesee, N-E-V-E-R-S-E-E-C-O-M-E-S-E-A. And then if you're looking for solar and you're in Winnipeg or in the Caribbean, you can find us uh, at vibesenergysolar.com. Um, for me, Instagram is the best way to connect with me. So you can follow Strategic Charm Boutique on Instagram or Hustle and Charm Community on Instagram, or you can follow us at Breading by the Beach. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> if you want to learn more about our conference in Tobago happening on February 10th, um, or the Mastermind starting on February 6th. <laughs> um, and I have a personal account too. If you find it, you find it. If you don't, that's cool. <laughs> it's not private, but yeah. Awesome. Any other questions, Serena? No, that's everything. All right. Well, thanks for doing this. Really appreciate it. Thank Hope you. you. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> if you made it this far, thanks for listening to the episode. Consider giving us a rating on iTunes and subscribing or following the podcast and sharing it with your friends on social media. Word of mouth always helps. And if you want to discuss anything you heard on this episode, send us a message on Twitter at 2M Creative Labs, and we'll see you in the next one.